3: recorded
4: live so i'm on the record this is minister shedrick ben israel tribe of judah and welcome to wednesday night nucleus line the time now is 9:05. please forgive my tardiness is anyone online right now Is anyone on yes line?
0: brother sister Tyra's on the line sister anisha was just on the line but she said something happened and she was going to have to Hang up and call back, and Brother EK um, greeted me when I first logged the um, in as well.
4: Oh, Praise the Lord! Thank you so much because I I put this number in the first time and it said that it was wrong. So I tried one four four eight three one, and I'm not sure why it yeah that's awkward. So y'all please forgive me. Um, first things first. When we went on before we went on break last semester. We, uh, I kind of gave everyone an assignment, but before we get into that, um, I'm going to make an announcement. After this week, this class will no longer be nucleus. This will not be a nucleus class. Everybody that is in this class will be moving to first degree. I will be teaching first degree. So this will be Aboriginal uh, Academy One. Okay. Um we will be going over um first degree lessons and things of that nature. I know that there are some who may have already been placed in it and have already had the lessons to go over. Nonetheless, um it is time for everybody to move on. I just want to make that very clear. I don't know who else is online. Hopefully you heard the message. If not, I'll say it again before we leave. But we will be moving um uh, to um to first degree. I hope you guys are excited because I'm excited for you. Um we in that degree we will get into the process of uh executing your uh, paperwork and things of that nature. Um, And other different things regarding contracts and so on and so forth. I'm not necessarily sure how the curriculum is going to be. I know from what I have experienced in first degree, you'll learn a lot of things. Um, Bear with me because I'm late and I'm trying to, you know, make up for lost time. But nonetheless, I was told to make sure that you guys know this. So I hope you guys are excited. Like I said, I'm excited for you. Um, it, you guys deserve it because you've been diligent, you know, um, coming to class and having to deal, you know, with my mouth, be have the whole hour and some minutes. But nonetheless, you all deserve it. Um, you have been patient enough. Um, as I stated before, we, um, I gave kind of like a miniature assignment and it was to kind of look into something called, uh, Dumb Diverses. Dumb Diverses, the Romanus Pontifex, and the Indicatoria Divina. And I kind of wanted it to be a discussion, um, as to... How it relates to uh, the transatlantic slave trade and all the other different things that transpired around the time. Um, as you know, or I have, I, I think I may have mentioned it sometime before I gave the assignment in previous classes that the Roman Catholic Church had established themselves and had assumed power in the form of the Christian kingdom. At this particular point in time, we know about Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, and should be King Ferdinand and Queen Isabella, but nonetheless, um, we um uh, uh, Queen of Castile and King of Aragon. The two uh two kingdoms that um, had gained supremacy, I guess you can say, at the closing of the Crusades, which I, I, no, Sh- Shalom, of which I don't really think is ever, the Crusades have ever really stopped. I mean, if you pay attention to world politics and uh, current events, it seems like the Crusades are still prevailing. But nonetheless, um, one of the things that, a lot of people may not understand, you know, or may not a lot of people still wonder what's the driving force behind the way this machine that we call a government, what how did they how did it get kicked off? You know? Um from one when, when I first came in, I had never when I first came in tribes, I had never heard of these things. I actually, it's, no, I'll take that back. As a matter of fact, I've heard of the Intercatera Divina. At least that's what um, I remember it as a booklet uh, that was given to me when um, I first heard about the Moors. I contacted Bay Publications. This was back in, like, November 2011. That was a pretty interesting month for me. Um, because in December that's when I uh uh heard of Brother Priest. Nonetheless, um moving forward, I I was aware of Inticatera Divina, but when I got in tribes my first uh, my first semester of tribes it was in Nucleus and Minister Bartholomew uh Bartholomew, uh Tyler, Tony, and Robert were my teachers. And I remember uh, Nathaniel bringing about the discussion of these particular things, uh, the, the Integraira Divina, and the Romanist Pontifex, and the um, the Gundaversus. For... Those who may not know, who may have not been aware, these three papal bulls. As a matter of fact, um, let me get my law dictionary right quick, because I kind of want to be as extensive as I can possibly be about the subject.
2: What is a bull?
4: It's not in here, I might have to go to the, the one online
1: oh, i ha- I do have it if you need it, Minister.
3: Do you have it sister do, can you tell us what a bowl is
1: it's, um, it's so intriguing. Let me go back okay.
2: here
1: we go um papa bowl. A papal bull is an edict issued by the Pope of an excommunication, public decree, letters patent or charter issued by a Pope of Roman Catholic Church. It's named after the laden seal bulla that was traditionally appended to the end in order to authenticate it. Um, Wikipedia spoke about. It, in ancient Sumerian times, they created tokens to account for goods in animal stock. Bitumen or tokens were credits to represent animals and grains people bartered amongst one another. These wax or bitumen tokens were um, placed inside clay bowls. Which could later be broken and shown as proof of who owned what. The Roman bulla is on display at the Louvre, and I just put a little side note to myself. I wonder what's inside of it. Um, mm-hmm. This was how they kept legal record of commerce from the eighth millennia BCE onward, from about the fourth millennium from about the fourth millennium bce onwards as communications on papyrus and parchment became more widespread bulah evolved into simpler tokens that were attached to the documents with the cord and impressed with a unique sign a seal each party has its own unique seal to identify them seals not only
2: identified individuals but also their offices. I yield. I want you to do me a favor. Read the very Ooh. read the first
4: two read the first two uh the first two sentences of that definition again. Can you do that for me please?
1: Okay, yes sir. Let me get a little bit better light. Hold on a second. It says, Papal bulls uh, are an edict issued by the Pope of excommunication, the public decree, letters, patent, or charter issued by a Pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It's named after the laden seal bulla that was traditionally appended to the end in order to authenticate it.
2: That is very interesting because
4: when you when you um process the things that we deal with in commerce, especially like when you're dealing with cords, um when you're dealing with uh uh the like here in Georgia, we have the Georgia, uh, Georgia, Georgia Superior Courts Clerks Cooperative. Uh, I think that's how you say it. Georgia Superior Courts, Courts Clerks and Cooperative Authority, and you can contact those people when you want to have a seal authenticated, and they put the Georgia seal on it. It's the same way in all the fifty states now. They have it streamlined. But nonetheless, you have their uh, seal on it. But it's very interesting how that also uh, was used almost kind of like a promissory note. And technically, it was a bill. Although that's not necessarily the whole intention of this discussion, but I just kind of want to Bring all of that to your attention, because one thing about one thing about commerce and government and law is that they all intertwine, and all these systems they all intertwine. Everything in them they are intertwine, But nonetheless, it's important that we understand these particular papal bulls, as you heard the sister read, that they were. Documents of excommunication, I don't necessarily know if they remain to be the same today because you can read different edicts and they're not the same as the bulls, so all edicts or declaration nonetheless are not the same as bulls Bulls are brothers just mentioned they are dealing with uh bills of execution or bills of excommunication. And as you can see, when you get to what you're calling the slave trade, that is exactly what they were doing. They were excommunicating us. From what? Well, they were excommunicating us from a lot of different things. Number one, the church, obviously. Um... And number two, they were excommunicating us from being able to have the benefits that we had along with worshiping in their church, which included but not limited to our estates, our principalities, our different governments that we ran, our positions, whether we be officers, whether we be no know, viceroys vice wars, and so on and so forth. These are the things that we were excommunicated from, and we were excommunicated from our land.
2: Somebody
4: please go on
2: Okay. So, brother the surgery. Yes, ma'am.
0: All right, so Sister Tara, I, I I have a I need some clarification. Okay. All right. So the bulls, the papal bulls, of, they were used as um, I mean, excommunications was one of the uses, but that wasn't the only use, was it? Because I recall reading um, reading one where because using the term excommunication meaning that you had to actually, uh, I guess, have pledged or been accepted in their religion. But when they came to the Americas, they had one of those decrees with the papal bulls that stated any savage, and a savage was not a Christian, that pretty much they would enslave them and right. take their land because they were not um, of that religious, I guess, doctrine or dogma. So I guess what I'm asking is, is it more than just um, the excommunication that these bulls were used for? Actually, and you know what, you, I I would have to agree with that,
4: which I guess you can say brings us to the Integra Divina, because that's what you're talking about. And, well, let me say it this way, because this, what they're calling the Doctrine of Discovery is three parts, which is the Diverses, the, Roman, the Romanist Pontifex, and the Caetera Divina. And each of these particular bulls allow the church, the, the Roman Catholic Church, to do several different things and go to several different places but they all operated the same. It was pretty much to uh, excommunicate those who were underneath the church and allow those who are in the kingdom to seize property from those who were not a part of the church. So, yeah, you are right. I guess it does have, uh, I guess you can say like a duality to it. It's almost kind of like what a sheriff does. It's like when the judge when the judgment gives out the orders to uh remove someone from their possession or something like that. Well they'll remove that person from their possession and if it's within the judge's order, the sheriff is uh acting as a bailiff, they're gonna go and clean that land as well or that property or whatever else to do. Uh whatever else is in the I guess you could say the order or the declaration. Yeah. So I guess it's a duality, and I, I would have to agree, and that's, I'm glad that you picked up on it. I'm glad that you picked up on it. Thank that. you, brother. No problem, Altie. Um, This is this is what I hope that you guys do all the time. Always make sure that you're paying attention to details, because usually when they're writing these definitions, I know that it's surface but it's always something in operation behind the definition that also that is also being executed while the definition is there. You're thinking that you may read about a list pendants, and we know that list pendants are usually done in court, but it can also be done in real estate. I won't go there, but it's something to think about. <laughs> but nonetheless, moving forward, I wanted to ask, while we're open for discussion, I'll start with Brother E.K. Brother, were you able to read up anything about the dumb diverses in the Romanist Pontifex and in the Integra
3: My brother, unfortunately, I wasn't able to. My apologies.
4: No problem. Auntie Anisha, were you able to read up on anything regarding those things?
1: I I looked up everything that you mentioned two weeks ago to look up. Um, So I don't know which one you want me to start with, but I can. You can
4: start with anyone you want.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, One little addition to that bullet definition: it also said that. Decrees of papal bulls are tied to circumstances of time and place. Oh, okay. Um, now, for the Rom- Romanist pontifex, okay, it seems like there was two. There was one in 1451 and there was one in uh, 1454.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. So the first one, it says um let me make sure wow. This is
1: so deep. I mean, this what you had as research is like
2: so deep. Okay. Romanist Pontifix, um fourteen
1: fifty four. It says Pope Nicholas V wrote it to King Afonso V of Portugal as a follow-up to Dom de Veres in 1454. It confirmed to the crown of Portugal dominion over all lands south of Cape Bojardor in Africa, along with seizure of the lands of Saracen Turks, sons of Sarah, and non-Christians. It repeated the earlier bull's permission for enslavement of such people. The bull's primary purpose was to forbid other Christian nations from infringing the king of Portugal's right of trade and colonization in these regions. This bull should not be confused with a September 21st, 1451 bull by the same name, relieving the Dukes of Austria from any potential ecclesiastical censure for permitting Jews to dwell there. Mm-hmm. That's the Romanist pontificate. Okay. Dumbediris of June 18, 1452.
2: Pope Nicholas V, until different. English translation, no, yeah, okay, that's just a little
1: side note for me. So Pope Nicholas V authorized Alfonso V of Portugal to conquer Saracens and Pagans and co-sign them to perpetual servitude. Pope the III reiterated the bull in 1456 with Intercaterra not to be confused with Alexander VI. Renewed by Pope Sixtus Fourth in 1481 and Pope Leo X in 1514 with precise denotation this, which means exactly, sharply defined or stated. The concept of the co assignment of exclusive spheres of influence to certain nation states, nation states meaning a sovereign state whose citizens or subjects are relatively homogeneous in factors such as language or common descent. So the concept of co assignment of exclusive spheres of influence certain nation states was extended to the Americas in 1493 by Pope Alexander VI with Intercaterra. So it looks like there were two intercateras, mm-hmm. one in 1456 and the one in 1493. The one in 1493 Granted to the Catholic Majesties of Ferdinand and Isabella as Sovereigns of Castile. Somebody needs to go on mute. Please. The Intercretaria of
2: 1493,
1: April 5th, 1493, not to be mistaken, was the one of 1456. Granted to the Catholic majesties of Ferdinand and Isabella, sovereigns of Castile, all the land to the west and south of a pole-to-pole line, a hundred leagues west and south of any of the islands of the Azores or the Cape Verde Islands, Spain basically gets some land for the slave trade. And then I have Columbus' discovery in 1492. Oh, this is a side note that I saw. It said, um, said Columbus' discovery in 1492. Um, when I was looking up the Intercaterra of 1456, mm-hmm. I came across this note uh, about Columbus' discovery of America. But they didn't call it America. They called it Asiatic lands in the western seas threatened to unstable relations between the kingdoms of Portuguese and Castile, which had been jockeying for position and possession uh, of colonial territories along the African coast for many years. Portugal asserted that the discovery was within the borders set forth in Papalboa of 1455, 1456, and 1479. The king and queen of Castile disputed this and sought a new bull. The Intercaptero was a bull document that settled the matter of territory dispute between Spain and Portugal. Mhm. Hmm.
0: <laughs> um, so um, brother, uh, go, uh, were you about to say something, brother? Oh,
1: no,
4: I was just um uh, processing it. What do you? I was actually going to come to see <laughs> what you got out of it, and I'm glad that you brought. So you, yeah. Good so, so I'm
0: ready. So based yeah, yeah. on um the information um that the sister um exposed us to, so these are the things that I picked up on, mm-hmm. and especially with some of those dates. So around those dates are the times that we were evicted um from from Spain and mm-hmm. the reason that we were evicted um is because we de- de- defaulted we were bankrupt and um we pretty much gave our we mortgaged our lands and de- and defaulted and we were evicted so it sounds like and this is just hypothetical hypothetical thinking that mm-hmm. I'm well not have yeah. I mean, these are my thoughts. It sounds like what they did is because we owed a debt. Our lands were divided, and there was a little infighting among the um, the Spaniards, which the Pope settled that with um, re- redistribution of our lands. And what what really got me was that perpetual servitude, the perpetual mm-hmm. slavery. Because even until today, when you, think it, when you think about it, we still so often our president has to sign for us to still be able to cast a vote in their elections. So that's another telltale sign that you are still a bond servant and your master is allowing you a liberty because you, you don't have a right you have you have a liberty that they allow, and that's just that that stood out to me that perpetual servitude because it's still going on, and that's what perpetual means. So, I I, I thought that so was kind of profound. That? Um, indifferent actually, because yeah. I. <laughs> I understand that scripture stated that because of our stiff neck and hard headedness, mm-hmm. that there were prices, there was a price that we we're going to have to pay. I mean, and the, the Lord, he changes not, he made a decree mm-hmm. and it has to come to f- fruition. So, I mean, I don't feel good or bad about it. I mm-hmm. um I just know that we need to settle, settle our debts honorably and get back into being honorable and righteous and being a reflection of the Most High.
4: Lord, have mercy. Somebody get it. (laughs) (laughs) I, I asked you specifically how you felt about it because I knew when you first came in, you stated your opinion about it, and I knew that it was going to be the exact same when you heard the message. And I would have to agree with you that that is exactly what happened because that is exactly what happened. And the funny thing about it is is this. The reason why I'm laughing is I have all the confidence that everybody that is in this class actually gets that point. Like, we can actually agree that that is exactly what happened. What I... Sorry. Shalom, Artie, and I'm going to come to you, and then I'm going to go to Brother uh, E.K. Okay. I, what is so, what is very odd about it is that as we, if you were to say to someone else that is not, that is outside of this class the exact same thing that you came, that you told me, I know that would be met with opposition. But let me ask you why you think, why do you think you will be met with opposition
0: on that? Um, Because we don't know who we are, and we've taken the identity of the Gentile and don't realize that we are the prosperity um, from the most high. That, too. But you know what else?
4: I think it would be met with opposition because people just don't understand. They don't understand commerce. They don't understand history. So it's like when you're saying something, when you try to materialize history in that way, when you try to make history contemporary or when you try to make take contemporary actions and make it historical or equate it with historical events, then it becomes obscure and people run away from stuff like that because then they have, they're met with obviously the the, the truth. It was the same thing that had been happening back then is the same thing that's happening now. And the same way that we dealt with things back then is the same thing that's going to help us deal with them now. What I mean is the remedy has always been there and in regards to, quote, unquote, perpetual slavery. And I don't know if anybody has ever been on a call when priests has always said this. But these people do know and they are very aware of uh, the fact that they have to give you remedy. They have to. Because if they don't, they have cursed themselves.
0: They've really cursed themselves. They have to give but, you remedy. But I don't but, think the perpetual slavery is because that there is no remedy. I think the perpetual slavery is because we won't come out of a certain mind a state of mind. Oh no. State of mind I, I wouldn't
4: disagree with that at all. Don't think I don't disagree with that. <laughs> and the reason why I can't disagree with it, because I living in it. I see it every single day. I know you see it. So no, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think that's as a matter of fact. I think that's a that's the major part of the whole thing. And the reason why that is, is because When you're dealing with a debt, it's not the creditor's responsibility to necessarily give you the remedy. The remedy or the cure for the remedy is actually sought for the person who's the debtor. And the reason why that is is because you owe the debt. (laughs) You owe the debt. So you have to figure out how to get out of the debt. It's not the creditor's responsibility to get you out of debt. So no, I I I would disagree with you on that. I'm actually agreeing on that. So yeah, and you're right on point. It's not even arguable. It is exactly what it is. And you went straight to the point, and I thank you for that. Adiana, were you on uh, the call when Octianisha was breaking down those um? Those Papal Bulls? And if you no. were Okay, so let me ask you, what did you get out of it?
1: Well no, I was gonna say I was not I just actually came on and I caught the tail end court I caught nothing of what um I Anisha uh said. I just heard Ema and you guys, um, the two of you speaking on, uh, you know. But I didn't hear what um the sister said.
4: I think if you can, you briefly bring her up to speed. Okay.
1: Okay. Um, let me try and do a brief synopsis of all four. First, we went over papal bulls, and papal bulls being an edict issued by the pope of excommunication, public decree, letters patent or charter issued by a pope of the Roman Catholic Church. It's named after the laden seal bulla. And then we went into what an actual bulla is, and also that the capital bulls were decrees which are tied to circumstances of time and place. Then we went into Romanist pontifics and how there were actually two of them. There was one of 1451 and one of 1454. The one of 1454 was issued by Pope Nicholas V, and it was written to King Alfonso V of Portugal as a, fellow, uh, as a follow-up to Dambasaras in 15, uh, 1454. It confirmed to the Crown of Portugal, dominion over all lands south of Cape Bocador in Africa Along with seizure of the lands of Saracen Turks, sons of Sarah, and non christians it repeated the earlier bull's permission for enslavement of such people. This bull is not to be confused with the bull of 1451, which basically relieved the Dukes of Austria from any potential ecclesiastical censure for permitting Jews to dwell
2: there. Then we went on to Dundas of 1452 where Pope
1: Nicholas V again authorized Alfonso V of Portugal to conquer Saracens and pagans and co-sign them to perpetual servitude. Pope Calixtus III reiterated the bull in 1456 with Intercaterra. Not to be confused with Alexander VI, it was renewed by Pope Sixtus IV in 1481 again, and Pope Leo X in 1514 again with Perseus. Denotation is exact, sharply defined, or stated. That's what that means in Latin. The consignment of exclusive spheres of influence to certain nation states was extended to the Americas in 1493 by Pope Alexander the Sixth with a And then was two types of intercaterals. There was the one of 1456,
2: and then there was the one of 1493. So the one of 1493
1: granted to the Catholic Majesties of Ferdinand and Isabella, so now Spain's getting in on it, the sovereigns of Castile all the lands to the west and south of a pole to pole line, a hundred leagues west and south of any of the islands of the Azores or Cape Verde Islands. Spain basically got some land. And remember when I was saying there was a first Inticatera of fourteen fifty six? Well, that was basically in conjunction with Columbus's discovery in fourteen ninety two of And this is what Wikipedia says, supposedly Asiatic lands in the western seas threatened to unstable relationships between the kingdoms of Portugal and Castile, Portugal and Spain, which had been jostling for position and possession of colonial territories along the African coast for many years. Portugal asserted that discovery was within the bounds set forth in papal bulls of 1455, 1456, and 1479. The King and Queen of Castile disputed this and sought a new bill. The Intercatara was the bull document that settled the matter of the territory disputed between Spain
2: and Portugal. So, I T -t 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 Ariana. Were you able able to gather
4: what the uh, Nisha was saying to you?
1: Oh, wow. Well, it was quite a bit, but I got the gist of it. Um, basically, no, come on, y'all, go. I'm on the phone. Okay, go Um, the gist of um, these uh, I, I know there was a series of decrees, public decrees, uh, that the popes were issuing out, um, and some of it in, in regards to slavery. Mm-hmm.
2: Um.
1: And, um, of course, um, a lot pertaining to us since we've been in captivity so much (laughs) throughout time and history. But um, I'm actually kind of looking at it because I'm I'm looking up for myself now that she brought that out. I'm going to go into it and look at it some more on my own because I didn't, I wasn't aware of all this until now. And, um, oh, that is quite a bit of history. and then um, I just want to piggyback now on what I did here um, that you and Emma were talking about when um,
2: that's actually was...
4: that's
1: actually Tara. Uh, oh, Octi Tara! Oh, Shalom, Octi Tara. Haven't heard her in a while. Um, I guess she's in a different class. Upper, but um, yeah. Hi, Shalom sis. And um, anyway, yeah. Shalom. But piggyback on what you you were saying when she was saying about um, the reason that we are still in um, servitude, position in, a, um, in captivity is because of us not, you know, doing, behaving the way that we should, doing, the, uh, taking the proper steps to do things that we need to do to get out of it. You no know, one else's uh, responsibility or job to do that for us or to hold our hand and tell us what to do because we owe the debt, and just like any other debt, when you owe the debt, you're expected to pay the debt until it's satisfied, and, you know, then you get your credentials or your papers or whatever you need showing that you, you you took care of that debt. So that's where we are in the nation as far as the paperwork and the different things that we're supposed to be doing. And um, I just wanted to add on and say that it's exactly true, I mean, It's obvious pretty much because you can even see the difference even while yet still in captivity, uh, literally having not done the proper steps yet to remove myself from that status. You can still, I can still see the difference in how the other nations treat me just based on behavior, acting a different way, behaving a different way. It's a whole different level when they, I can only imagine the difference when I've completely done everything that I need to done, I mean, due to really um, change that status, because like I said, based on the difference in behavior, I see the difference in how I am treated when I'm, you know, dealing on a business level or any other level with these, um, well, pretty much business, with these other nations, and with that, I know.
2: Yes, ma'am.
4: Oh, by the way, because I know that some of you are just now coming in. So um, at at the start of the class, I may mention that
2: nucleus
4: will be no more. There will be no more nucleus after this week. What? Yeah. And the reason why is because this class will be moving to first degree. So everyone that is in this class. We will now be moving to first degree. So what that entails, um, and I'm not necessarily sure, what the curriculum is per se, but that is the class where you will learn how to execute your paperwork, regard your name, your status, um, contracts nonetheless, and other different things. So, we will you guys will now be moving to first degree, as I stated before. I hope that you guys are excited because I'm excited for you, and you guys deserve it because you've been patient. <laughs> you have really been patient. There are some people who were here for a while, but nonetheless, that's what happened when I first came in because we were still trying to organ- the priest was still trying to organize some things. Um, and he didn't have all of the people in um, during the time that I – well, he had people in, but it was not as – people had done left during that time. So let me just say it that way. And when I um, came in, and he was still trying to rebuild from that. But nonetheless, um, we're moving to uh, first degree. I will be teaching first degree. So just be prepared Um, between uh, next week. I should be in the stages of getting the curriculum together, me and our priest. Um, Priest mostly because he's the one who's proctoring the the curriculum. Well, he's the one designating the curriculum, and I'm proctoring it. But nonetheless, I will um, keep you guys abreast as to what is going on with that. But for now we will we're in the nucleus right now, but after nucleus we will no longer be in nucleus, we'll be in first degree. So I just kinda wanna make those who weren't in the on the call the beginning that you may be that you are aware of it now. Moving forward, Brother EK, were you able to what were you able to gather from what Augier Nisha was explaining about those three um those three bulls. What's your take on it?
3: Shalom, brother. Yeah, um, it's very deep because it just shows you, obviously, the depths of how this government-long commerce works, and also it shows how uh, retroactively, like, you know, when our ancient forefathers were deviated, and now the quote-unquote adversary moves in to sort of kind of set the precedent, like the sister has said, the time and circumstances of our condition, you know, that we're going to be dealing with. And so, like, it, like when they, it just brought me back to, like, one of the scriptures in, um, I believe it was in Luke, about how Caesar Augustus had made a decree that the whole world would be tapped. So when this had brought up about how decree was tied to time and circumstance, it's like now, given the fact that many people who were subjected to the Roman jurisdiction are subjected to a servitude status, but even though our people bear most of the blunt of it, but nevertheless it just shows you the depth of how um, this Roman jurisdiction Kinda of had, well, not hid, but like sort of operated behind the Catholic Church and was able to issue all these Catholic bulls and edicts and all these different things. And also took me back to how, like, the fact that some of these were indicated as seals. And it's almost like how it was with the Star of David, that that was the seal of the of our, of us of our, of our nation as being Israelites. And that, that is what carried us throughout the whole world when we was doing when we were dealing with our public affairs. And so when you see these things play out, it's almost like like we just talked about earlier at the start of the how you mentioned, like there's nothing new order to do the same thing happened yesterday, happening today. They it seems like they even picked up some of what we was always doing too. Uh, we was also issuing decrees to other nations. We was also issuing edicts to other nations, not in the same quote unquote format as this Roman jurisdiction, but nevertheless the same precepts are still the same. And so, um, and then also like when when you hear the word bull, right? Okay, like you 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 reference the animal bull. What does it do? Its purpose is really to drive out. Whoever that, I mean, I don't know the details of formalities, the names of how that whole situation is organized as far as like the individual that holds the red flag and the boy has to go chase it out of whatever. So when you think about that perspective and you think about the word bullying in relation to how it's about, you know, documents of excommunication, it's almost like, okay, when a particular subject in that jurisdiction is rendered worthless, they need to be expelled from that jurisdiction. And because, going, tying it back to how in, in 1492, when we became uh, expelled from Spain, how since
2: how had mentioned earlier in the
3: class, how we deviated we went bankrupt, it shows you how, okay, we're being excommunicated, almost quote-unquote expatriated from a jurisdiction that we once was sort of, you know, relying on our, our being sustained with, so to speak, for lack of a better term. And so now we get subject to another foreign entity where we're now, we no longer know who we are and all these different things. So we're sort of excommunicated from our nationality, our culture, our identity, and our pedigree, so to speak, all at once. And so, um... Yeah, it's just really deep because, you know, this this thing is really it's bigger than what people realize. You know, and like when we can see how, for example, like nothing is new under the sun, and the reason why that is is because all of these ancient practices have always been preserved by bodies of people and was passed down. So it was different when it came to us in this nation. The body of information was passed down to us and so we're seeing time where okay now we're recognizing that because of our transgressions these were some of the um, parameters of our servitude that we fell into so now we're on the outside looking at it we're becoming you know, to remove ourselves from it. now we're looking at it and saying, okay i see where that whole threat is coming from i see where i can chase it back to in all those time periods that all these different edicts was being issued, so to speak, and how that retroactively tied back to the ancient practice of how King David was conducting the affairs and all those different things. So, you know, that's sort of what I I, I think from it. So, it's it's pretty deep, but, you know, when we see history from that perspective, it makes more sense of how things are going on around us. Now you.
2: Yes, oh, Lord, I've been <laughs> <you with> <laughs>
4: I, I I was saying uh, to you, what did you get out of it? And you said, minister. I
2: thought, I thought
4: you heard what I said. I was like. And <laughs> I looked down I was at like, the
1: phone, and it was on mute. I said, oh,
4: God. I think you were
2: a drop pole and nothing was going on. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, um, God. They
1: knew exactly who their enemy was. They knew exactly who the criminal was. They knew that
2: we had lands over here that they had never been to. They knew our
1: hiding spots. They knew our aliases. <laughs> I
2: mean,
1: even when you go further in, you know, some of the when we look at Manifest Destiny and the Doctrine of Discovery and the Treaty of Zarkoza and the Treaty of Tordesillas and the line of demarcation, all of that stuff, because I know you're probably going to ask me to read what I found for that too, but when you guys hear this
2: stuff, they knew every territory that we had and it was basically
1: just a land grab and a human resources grab to establish their dominion, their kingdom on the earth. And as you even read certain literary pieces about American travel slavery and how economists said that the slaves, that were here in America were valued more than the infrastructure of the country even, that the insurance brokerages and the banks and the Wall Street and the cotton industry and all agricultural industry was built off of the slave backs, and that's why they value their slaves more valuable than any, you know, um, piece of machinery
2: or uh, livestock, even though they consider this livestock.
1: It's it's just flabbergasting. And I can see why. I mean, I remember please saying something that on the legal book. The penalty for a nation that transgresses the laws: four hundred years of slavery. You know, four hundred years of bond servitude, where they're stripped of their name and lineage. They take off take on their slave master's name, and they are not allowed to buy, sell, trade, or do any commerce or anything under their true name. I remember priest saying that um, I might have been in a seed of thought class, if I'm not mistaken. There wasn't a seat of thought class; it was on a fellowship. But I can see why they would want to keep us in perpetual slavery because they're literally living off of us. There are people that are are have been if if you read the 13th Amendment and you'll understand that they didn't abolish slavery per se, but they transferred it from actual chains um, freely to incarceration in prison. And if you do some research of people in prisons, you'll find out that, get, that there are people in prisons that work for Amazon, that work for Walmart, mm-hmm. that work for Timberland. And they're paid like 25 cents an hour. And they have to pay for health care. So
2: they moved
1: the actual chain slavery from plantations, per se, and fields into the prison system. That's why they had this whole big movement towards mass incarceration for petty infractions and crimes. Mm-hmm. So I can see why they wanted to keep us in perpetual servitude, but that's not lawful. <laughs> That's not part of the game. That wasn't written if I was informed correctly. So, you know, right there, they're breaking the law. And then, like Sister Tara was saying, they, they're, and, and Minister Cedric reiterated that they're supposed to offer
2: some remedy. They don't offer remedies. They're not offering any remedy at all.
1: Um, but then again, you know they're not supposed to tell you how to free yourself. Um, that's something that you're supposed to seek for yourself. But the, if you see the way they set the system up to keep you blinded by the system in thinking that you know you're free by giving you rights with your liberty, R I liberties, R I G H T S, instead of you fighting to win back your rights, R I P E S, it's like wow. So that that that's what I'm seeing. And if you think those three were bad, wait till you hear the rest of the trash that they did. And I yield.
4: Let me speak on that. So I was watching, well, let me start off by saying this. So I watched this movie, was it Mortal Kombat Annihilation? I don't know how many people actually remember that movie, but I remember growing up watching that movie, even though I only caught it later because I didn't go to the movies like everybody else, like all my friends did. Like they had the money to go to the movies all the time. I didn't. I watched it one day, uh, uh, actually probably like a couple of months ago, and um, there's a part in there where you end up meeting, uh, where the audience is introduced to what they call the elder god. And some of uh, the elder gods, I think one of them was fire, the other one was water, and then you end up seeing Raiden turn into an elder god. He, he I think he became like, a uh, smoke cloud. I mean, he's supposed to be the god of thunder and lightning. But nonetheless he was a uh, he was like a cloud or something like that. We know thundering comes from uh lightning. Uh, uh, thunder and lightning comes from clouds and you know the uh the static in the clouds and all this other different stuff. But nonetheless, that's a whole nother different thing. There's a part in the movie where I think Raiden was talking to these elder gods and he was he was asking them why they didn't interfere with the uh, uh, with the whole situation when it came to this guy named Shao Khan and him trying to usurp the uh, the um, what we are calling Earth realm. Why he tried to usurp it for himself? Because mind you, Shao Shao Kahn and Raiden are actually brothers, and they all had a family seal. They all were part of this dragon family, so to speak. And uh, the elder gods' their stance was they didn't interfere with they didn't interfere with man's destiny. Because every man holds his own, even though it wasn't necessarily stated that way, but they didn't interfere with the with the affairs of man because every man chooses his own uh his own path. But well, let me just say what I'm getting at here. You have this these elder gods, quote unquote, one fire, one water, and they represented natural elements. So in essence they represent what you call in nature. Or the elements of nature, and what we equate nature with, uh, and the laws thereof, we equate that as the God of the universe. So when people say, "Well, if God loved us, you know, what God would, you know, enslave Darrell? What God would enslave his own children? <laughs> or what God would allow?" One person to kill another person, or what God would um uh, uh would uh would uh invite, invite someone to enslave another person they don't sound godly and I understand why people are saying that now because as I stated before, God made man in his image, but man seems to always meet God in their image. When people start talking about what God is, they're speaking God as a reflection of their own consciousness. And I said this openly, because that's what I've been observing and that's what priests have been hinting at when people say uh, self, uh, self-God self worship and idol, and, and idol God worshipers. And when you hear people speak like that, why God would do this. What you fail to realize is not necessarily God doing these things. But it's the God within you that chooses to do the things that you do. Nonetheless, you still have to be responsible for the things that you do. When you say why wouldn't God stop that lion from going to attack that antelope or whatever you want, or that beast? Well, because God designed that lion to do what it naturally does. It's a lion, and it comes with its own distinct instinct. But the difference between man and a lion is that man has the ability to reason and think for himself and choose to do good or bad, but do good so that he may live, okay? Now, why am I saying this? Why is this even important? Because when we're talking about this system, as I mentioned earlier, the system knows that it has to have some form of remedy because they understand natural law and that it will, it will do more harm than good to them if they don't give you remedy. When I said that they don't give you remedy, they do. Here is the problem. The problem is it's hiding in plain sight. That is the problem. Because when you expect your creditors to tell you how to get remedy, then you are only killing your own, you're only hurting yourself. I I would wish that it was that way, but that's just not the way that things are. And the reason why that is is because when you look at commerce, commerce deals with contracts. When people are put in a certain situation where they have obligated themselves, whether it be by force or whether it be by uh, some type of composure uh some uh, whether it be by arrest or somewhere, all those things matter, but nonetheless, when you have put yourself in a place of obligation and whether it be by default force or whatever, then you have to honor that contract now, when it comes to that whole perpetual slavery and not having any remedy, well, let me say it this way when a person who has the right of disposal over a particular thing, uh are we to say that he that he's wrong to do whatever it is that he wants to do with his particular possession, he has pretty he has possessory rights over it. Let me say it that way. He has possessory rights over it. We see things or we've read things in history where that has been, you know, uh, has been pretty much uh, executed throughout what they call the transatlantic slave trade and uh, post-transatlantic slave trade. We see human, what they call human trafficking today, is pretty much what the slave trade was. But nonetheless, there were certain rights that were, there were rights that were given to uh, these people over another people uh of course the execution may have been a little bit different than what we were doing, but nonetheless the system is still the same. But what I'm getting at is they have like RT uh RT uh, Tyra mentioned earlier, they uh the perpetual slavery comes in when uh when you look at the fact that we are their debtors. Okay, that's something that can be changed. But when you don't change your state of mind, how can it be changed? How can you tell a person who is a slave that he's a slave to get better and how to get better if he does not want to get out of his slave mentality? He's bound his own self. Is that good? No. Because at the end of the day, I don't think, no, I I wouldn't want anybody to be a slave. I don't, I sure as hell don't. Um, I don't think anyone enjoys to, you know, enjoys owing anyone anything if they can help it. But what happens when you just perpetually are a debtor and you don't want to do anything about it? then that becomes a problem. So there is no remedy for you. And there you won't find remedy if you don't want to do anything about it. Now, let me get, I do want to say, yeah, they have gone, they have upped the ante in their uh, patterning, in their systems. Yeah, they have upped the ante. But let me also say this. When you are living under house rules, anything is pretty much applicable. I'm not saying that everything that they're doing is right. I'm saying that anything is applicable because it's a house rule. They make the rules. I hope that's imp- I hope you guys understand it, and as I said, law is universal it's not one sided. But what people have to understand is that there is a consequence for every antecedent. There's always a consequence for these things. So don't think for one minute that everything that they do that is bad will go unchecked. I'm not saying that it will not be. What I'm saying is that when they make the House rules, almost anything is permitted. But – in regards to the whole remedy thing, there is remedy, and it is hiding in plain sight. How do you tell someone that your remedy isn't theocracy without them saying, oh, well, I believe in Jesus, and that's my Savior, when in all actuality, I know you know that that's not what you mean, but that's how they take it when they hear about theocratic government. They're thinking, oh, well, I'm compromising my love for Jesus Christ in order to resurrect the government. My government is in Jesus Christ and ain't nobody going to convince me otherwise. So it's almost kind of like when you actually miss your chance for redemption because even outside of Jesus, there is a redemption in the form of a government.
1: (laughs) So so what did you and Akityra mean when you said they are supposed to offer remedies, but they Don't offer remedy. What did you mean
4: by that? What I I mean mean is, what I mean is, they have it in the, let me say it this way. I don't know if you guys remember when I posted the word literature, literature. Does anybody remember me posting that?
1: In the WhatsApp group? Yes. Yes.
4: Can you tell me if you can remember exactly what that definition said? No. <laughs> okay. Let me. I want to read this to you, so that it can be very clear in your minds what I mean by the remedy that's being offered you, because it completely goes over people's heads. They think. I want, you know, I don't want to, Say it one more time.
1: Can you spell the word, too?
4: Yes, I can. As a matter of fact, give me a second, because I'm actually about to look it up. I'm actually about to look it up so I can kind of bring it on home. It's actually 7 minutes after 10, and I don't want to keep it. Oh, go ahead, brother.
0: What were you going to say? but it was supposed to so while you're looking at oh, sorry, that, up, um,
2: sister,
0: that it's okay what i was going to say is i know for me even in my own life sometimes we think that um difficult situations um we see them as negative um when we're going through those things but yeah. sometimes difficult situations are put before us to turn us from um, complacency or wickedness back to yeah. the Most High. These right. these these difficult times are designed to kill that old man and, and renew and refresh and build a new man. And because we're so selfish, we want to stay where we are because we're pleasure seekers. So it uh, it may appear that that teacher um, who is Trying to get you to learn a lesson is the enemy, and they might not be the enemy. We nine times out of ten are our own in, enemy, and with that I yield because you're right. It's late.
2: Right.
4: I I agree. I actually found the word. Let am gonna read it to you. I just download. Oh no, mind it was updated. All right. The word is spelled L I T E. R-A-T-U-R-A. Literatura. And it is defined as follows. Ad literaturam ponere. It means to put children to school. This liberty was anciently denied those parents who were servile tenants without the Lord's consent. The prohibition against the education of sons arose from the fear that the son being bred to letters, when they say bred to letters, bred to letters means to learn. When you hear someone say, that person is so unlettered, that means that that person is so unlearned, okay? That the fear that the son, being bred to letters, might enter into holy orders and so stop or divert the services which he might otherwise do as heir
2: to his father. Did anybody hear what it just said? Yes, brother. What did you just hear?
0: I heard that if we teach him, he'll become knowledgeable, and (laughs) he will be able to get out of um, this servitude that he's in right now because he'll realize who he is and what he's heir to. Right. Teach him what?
3: Government law commerce.
4: That, That is basically what you would teach them. But guess what they have it written as, though? Might enter into holy orders. Order. But, yeah. ho, but
0: holy orders, the orders is where, where, where you would be taught, the higher degrees.
4: Right. Yes.
1: That and that's is why where, they
0: have all those sculling crossbones
1: and all those different no. turnipses. yes. Because they <laughs> yes. take them behind closed doors and give them the holy or... It's just that they're they're worshiping on the other side. Right, of
0: things. But, yes. you know... It's not necessarily I mean, what they're far, doing now, is so far from what truth was. Yeah, that's not even the same thing,
4: right? It's not, well, but
0: nonetheless, the, they're doing kind of the same thing, they're just teaching
1: something different because we had holy orders. The prophethood right. was a holy order, the priesthood was mm-hmm. a holy order, being mm-hmm. you know, Messiah or Christ
0: mm-hmm. that
1: was a, a holy order. Right. Um, being a judge probably is a holy order too. Right. And what I'm finding with this particular system, like, you know, um, like their judges being able to be like their licenses or their uh, being able to be bought. I mean scripture speaks highly against that. Like you shouldn't be able to buy a judge off. Oh
4: no, I don't disagree that perversion, uh, perver- perversion of justice. Oh no, I don't agree with that. I definitely don't agree with that. However, however, remember what I said. When you make the house rules, you pretty much do what you want. But remember that there's a consequences for your choices. Also remembered when I gave the analogy with the whole Mortal Kombat thing. Man chooses his own fate. Nature's not going to interfere until natural law is activated. <laughs> so eventually down the line they build up so much sin for themselves. They're going to hang themselves. That's when they will that's when the judgment comes. they brought judgment against themselves, so it may seem like there is no remedy try- I know it looks that way it is there, but let me tell you where it is. I actually read it in part, but let me tell you how the government today actually gives you that right to do it. They give it to you in the right of something called. Freedom of religion. That is what the remedy is. Without going into too much, because I forgot this is not first degree. We haven't gotten there yet, but I kind of want to make you guys aware of these things. But so you, so that you guys are, so because you asked the question, where's the remedy if they don't give you remedy? That is the remedy. 'cause that is how theocracy, that is how the that is how theocratic governments are made that's the starting point for you. It's up to you on eventually what happens afterwards, but that is the same thing that happens in commerce that's how contracts are made It's really up to the contracting party to determine you know how to execute the obligations. And I think we all agree with that. We all understand that now. When you talk about it on a larger scale, then that will be what you. That will be the deciding factor. But um, it's twenty-five minutes at the ten. I hope that we understand. We got something from understanding these uh, dumb diverses. If Wait a minute. Before I get ready to close out, is there anybody else on this call that I did not call? Because I know there was Octi Anisha, Octi Ariana, uh Tara, uh, and, um,
2: and Akike. Is there anyone else? Okay. So... I wanted us to discuss these different things
4: um, because you will hear about them in the future. You will run across them in your study. Um, As a matter of fact, you'll probably hear about them sooner than you think. (laughs) But um, I just kind of want you guys to be made aware of these different things because – you'll hear about them in your study. You'll, hear, you'll read about most of them in your law books. And you'll come back to the conversations that we had about these things and say, dang, you know what, I've been reading about these things. And, hey, I, you know, when you came to those conclusions early, when you made your observations earlier and you read about them again over and over and over, then you will be confirmed in – the conclusion that you came to them about them, but um, I hope I answered your question, R.T. Anisha, because we can, as I, uh Tyra mentioned, sometimes we can look at a negative situation and we don't see we don't see the good in it. Sometimes people go into a contract and think there's really really no remedy in them, but there is, and if there isn't then law is made from necessity. There can be a remedy. And the remedy will come when you decide to take action, which is another word. Look it up. But nonetheless, um, we'll be meeting back here next week, Wednesday. Hopefully, I will have gone over the curriculum with priests by then um, for first degree. So, yeah, hopefully I will have went over the curriculum with him to get started with you guys on. But nonetheless, um, I'm proud of you guys for hanging in there. Um, We can now move on to getting you guys in the process of doing your documents and moving forward with that, because I know most of you guys are anxious about that. Um, Those who are ready to do them, that is. Uh, but nonetheless, there are other different things you'll learn. So, the time now is 20 minutes. 28 minutes after 10, we can adjourn. Um, please be on Fellowship Thursday. Um, I think there's still some other things that uh, Minister, Minister Priest um, wants to discuss. Uh, but nonetheless, we can adjourn for the rest of the evening. I'm sorry I kept you guys past nine uh, nine o'clock, but uh or past ten o'clock.
3: Ten
4: o'clock, but nonetheless. Um, we can adjourn for the rest of the evening, you guys. Love you all. Thank you for uh um, Shalom. All right, shalom, shalom
3: shalom, shalom,
2: shalom, everyone.